This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two of the program. Welcome to it. Brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots, and decor in the greenest grass. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They got you covered. Boomer, Pinder, here in the downtown studios, along with Dumas and GVP. Huh? That's right. Garrett. You down with GVP? Yeah, you know. Then you know me. You know the thing about, here, here's uh, what I can tell you. Now, Garrett. What 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 place? What do we call it? You're a practicum placement. What do we call this? I would say intern. Intern. Yeah, intern. I'd say. Okay, because you're a a student of some sort. I'm a student. Yes. All right. Mount Royal University. Oh, there you go. Go Cougars. Now you know what I'm going to tell you. Go Cougars. Yeah, I'm also a fan. But hmm. oh yeah, a lot of times we will get the interns, the students that come in. Yo. And they're excited to be part of the show. Right. Stardom. Whatever it is, you know, that want to come in Get and to meet your heroes, yeah, yeah, be part of the morning show, and then they realize it's pretty early. Hey, this actually sucks a lot. I wonder how the, the afternoon show is probably a pretty cool show too. Yeah, and if I can get up at ten instead of four, I've been having a blast. I like you guys. Uh, I was going to say you are one of the very few guys seems to be into it who has showed up more than one day in a row. Upon arriving, so how are, are you? An early riser by, uh, like, on nor- normal situation, or you? Like, what, what? I don't know. Not not totally. It's just getting into a routine. I think. Yeah. So, so are you learning anything? I, I mean, because clearly this is the show you want to learn from. What have you learned? Uh, Dumas been showing me the ropes, cutting mm. up some audio for the boys. Yeah, but doing this and that. Not what I'm talking about. What about from us? What What have we taught you yeah, about being a professional? Uh, yeah, you guys have taught me the keys to being great journalists, I think. Such as? Uh, <laughs> no, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> You'll learn. No, that's the right answer, Garrett. Is, so, uh, I, I, I don't know. You know what, for Garrett, next 20 minutes is going to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, all right. guy you can learn from is uh, Stephen Brunt. There he is. Now, that's the guy where you pick up Pay attention. take your cues from this guy. How are you, Stephen? I'm, uh, I'm not too bad. How are you doing? I'm listening to you mentoring. It's very... It's very inspiring. It, it really is, right? I'm paying it forward, Stephen. I've got my master class <laughs> web series coming out soon, so everybody can <laughs> pick up on the details. Uh, I want to ask you something. Uh, okay. I, I, I've always thought that sports needs to be fun. I've been. Oh, are you? Oh, you're getting on a plane. Oh, baby. I, I am. I'm coming home. Is that your really? flight, or is that someone else's flight? No, this is uh, no, that's not mine. Yeah, I got a little while. I'm getting, although many Ben, it's like announcement central now. We're yeah. very quiet here a minute ago. Well, of course, yeah. But we'll we'll just ignore it though, right? I was gonna say I I like having fun. I've been criticized for not being serious enough and do Ooh. a sports show and this sort of thing. And something has has arisen here in the last couple of days, and I don't like it. Brady Kachuk. The brother of Matthew Kachuk has been following the Flames from last series into this series. He's been going on the road. He's been at the Dome. He's been drinking beers. He's been wearing the Matthew Kachuk Friendship Tour t-shirt. So not a, not a Flames jersey, 
but he's clearly in the sea of red and he's high-fiving fans. And there's some people that seem to have a problem. How can the captain of another NHL team be invested in another NHL team? I, I mean, it's obvious it's his brother, but is beyond that, is there really something wrong with this? Is there is it just bad practice, or are we sour pusses? I'm missing this. The, 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 so there are people who think are grouchy about that. Like who? Who are yeah, these? Yeah, who are? I'm I'm seeing a lot of people getting mad at people. I don't see anyone actually well, saying. There's a few there, especially because he is the captain of another team. That that's that you just don't do that kind of the code the code I mean, I, I like, yeah that's huh? and his the, the, that other team is not playing like they haven't played for what, six a weeks long now time yeah <laughs> yeah so no that i, I that i that uh, that escapes me but good that, that, that would be a um, yeah it's it's fun it's good it's a brother it's they seem like a fun pair what the heck yeah, that hasn't that happened in the maybe, well, maybe, I'm trying to think of a captain and a brother, brothers who were captains. But yeah, cheering on the sibling isn't that kind of normal. And the thing of it is, he's he's very gregarious. Of course, he was walking up the stairs yeah. the other night. He had two beers in his back pocket, another one in his hand. He's been he's been very visible in his uh, celebrating the the goals and whatnot. It's problem solver. I love it. I think let I'd love to see the. Can we have some fun? For for bleep sake, so good. I'm glad we're all on the same page then. Oh yes, we know. Right. I'm I'm uh, I, I, fun is good. As the it's not that that's the cat in the hat motto, isn't it? Fun is good. Fun yeah, is, it's yeah. very appropriate. Did you uh, catch game one of the Battle of Alberta from the other night? I did. Yes, indeed. And uh, and I was you know it's funny because it was very late. Ned, you know, I'm not, I'm an old guy here, right? So I have to go to bed early. But I, I after it was at six two, I was kind of thinking, looking at the watch and thinking, you know. I can probably just pack this one in, and um, I'll have uh, I've seen enough. I know who the better team is here. My buddies in Calgary are all going to be thrilled, and uh, and we'll pick it up. And but then then stuff started to happen, and uh, that was I I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was great entertainment. Uh, I'm not sure you can replicate it that many more times in a seven game series, but gee, that was fun. It, uh, it was a, it, you know, kind of a mess, but a, but a glorious mess. Because it could have gone the other way, where there's all the attention paid to this rivalry that hasn't taken place in 31 years, and then you come out and it's another snore fest, like we saw on a, a lot of a lot of nights against the Stars in round number one, where it's blocked shots and low chances and all of that. Uh, that said, I don't think either team wants a repeat of that game one i'm sure the flames obviously the win but they they weren't happy their goaltender wasn't very good the oilers used both goaltenders they weren't very good uh there, there's a lot to clean up on on both sides I, just all emotion i guess is that what we we figure game I, one I was I, I don't know what that was again I, at 6-2 i thought i know i had a very kind of clear storyline in my head which was well the, you know the other guys you know the, the other guys may have the best hockey player in the world maybe one of the best hockey players ever but the, the, you know, but the, the the red team is the team that can win the Stanley Cup. But the others, because those guys, like the Oilers, didn't look didn't look like they got really got off the plane. Right, that was a very lethargic, weird start. And obviously, bad goaltending is part of it. But they just didn't look, you know, they, they looked like they hadn't awakened yet. And uh, yeah, that's you know what I say. What happened after after six two is, I'm not sure. I have no. I, I wish I had a wise explanation for it. I do not. Um, but it was yeah, like from a neutral point of view, because I'm pretty neutral aside from my loyalty to you and your show. Um, it, it was a blast, you know. Like it was, 
it, it's back to that fun thing. Um, I'm sure I'm sure it's a coach's nightmare, but from a just sit down and watch a hockey game point of view, it was it was loads of fun. You know what it looked like it was a preseason game. Someone noted that, yep. and it was like, ding, yep, that's it. Goalie switches, no one was sharp. Large swaths where one team looked disinterested in playing. Uh, this isn't the typical round two game when you square it up against what we've seen in the Battle of Florida, what Carolina, and New York went through, nor what we've seen with St. Louis, Colorado. No, it didn't look like it didn't look like anything. It didn't look like you know, you know and two teams coming off you know very tight, very competitive seven game series um, where you, you could barely take a breath, and to then have you, you're right, you know, preseason game completely loosey goosey. Uh, I, I again, it just doesn't. You know, normally, normally the playoffs tighten up as you go from round to round. So, so I, look, I'm guessing it's an anomaly. <laughs> you know, I'm guessing that's a that's a one off, and uh, we will see something more like normal playoff hockey in game two. But I don't say that with any great joy, because if they would like to do that again, I would be fine watching. Are you excited for a 10:50 p.m. Eastern puck drop tonight? Well, yeah. That, see, this may this may require a certain amount of. Um, I, I may have to have a nap this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, I'm doing. We are doing our uh, little radio show from home today, so I will because napping otherwise is a little awkward in the in the in the radio studio. People <laughs> yeah. notice, right? I bet you guys have done it, um, but uh, so yeah, it may it may require a nap. So that's I will prepare. You got to you know you got to play hurt sometimes. So is something. How come you're doing it from home? Is that uh, changing the plan or what's going on out there? Well, we just no, we just decided I'm because I was on the road last night and I'm coming home today and it's going to be a little tight and it's Friday and it's summer and I got gotcha. you. Know, you you can do we've been we've been very diligent about being in the studio but a lot of people you know there's still shows and many things being done from home uh so the, as you know the technology works but um yeah we just kind of decided to we made an, an executive decision among the three of us on the show that this would be a good idea I feel like this weekend if we switch to baseball uh is going to be an interesting one for the Blue Jays. The Cincinnati Reds are so bad. I think people will be disappointed if the Jays don't sweep them. That's how ugly it's been for Cincinnati this year. Yeah, although they they have they've got Hunter Green on Saturday. I think he's going Saturday or is he going Sunday? It's one of the two. Who? Yeah, Cincinnati horrible and uh, like really horrible. But Hunter Green throws what 101 kind of over and over and over again and is a real bright light and uh, so that could be you know that still could be a test the other thing with the, you know we've we've seen with the jays it doesn't really seem to matter who they play right now they just have trouble that offense is not kicking in um and like i they a little bit of relief in those first two games against seattle but it's they just don't they still don't look right and i don't i don't i think we're kind of past the easy explanations of just you know just wait and see and it'll be fine and they will revert to themselves like i you know that's probably that may well still be true but it it just it, it it's you know, a lot of a lot of singles and uh, not a lot of rallies and not a lot of runs being scored. So maybe the Reds are the tonic and they break out. And uh, it'd be you know that their schedule was so tough before this this week really that you kind of look at these series and you say you've got to sweep, you've got to win them all, um, you know, take care of business. But you know they're just the, the pitching's still been really good. But I'm you know I'm still waiting for a game where that lineup starts to roll and it. It does what you when you look at the names in the scorecard and you say you know these this is what these guys should do if you line them up one through five or one through six. I don't we haven't really seen that except with a few exceptions you know opening night and uh, the crazy Vladdy game in the against the Yankees in the Yankee Stadium but it's you know almost not at all other than that so 
maybe, you know, yeah, maybe this is the tonic, but I watched the kid pitch in Cincinnati on the weekend, though, because that may be an experience. Well, and, and so the bats are finally healthy, but now it's Tim Meza. What's going on with his left arm? And Jordan Romano was not available. The back of the bullpen feels a little uh, slim right now. Yeah, it definitely is. It looks like the Meza thing is not like anytime they say forearm with a pitcher, you automatically think elbow because that's the way it presents itself. And, you know, Meza's not that far off Tommy John surgery. So everybody freaked out when they heard that. But it looks like it is just this forearm and that he's going to be okay. At least that's what we were told. The the Romano thing is weird because um, I think like he when they say illness, well, first of all, he was unavailable mysteriously one night, and everybody thought, oh god, he's hurt. And then he showed up in the bullpen in full uniform the same night, and uh, people kind of wondered if he might come in and pitch. And then the next time he wasn't in the clubhouse at all. It sounds like he's got the flu, like the stomach flu, like it's it's, it's something along those lines. Because they they've been very careful to say no, it's not COVID, it's not COVID, it's not COVID, um, but. Yeah, he's just been he's been sick. So, you know, maybe after the off day, I guess we'll see. I think they're they're just kind of waiting for it to pass and hoping for the best. But but yeah, the bullpen is thin right now. Um, and you know, as, look as we get deeper into the season and closer to the trade deadline in July, um, like every look, everybody needs relief pitchers. All bullpens are volatile. Relief pitchers are volatile. You can't just pencil them all in at the beginning of the season and the same guys are there at the end. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, whether it's, you know, if Nate Pearson ever comes back, um, you know, if you can do it internally a little bit, but I think they're going to have to go out and do what they did last year when they got Trevor Richards and Adam Simbers, you know, go out and get a couple of guys and, and don't get Brad a hand this time. Now I'm trying to think, Yikes. yeah, we talked because today is Friday. We were talking on Tuesday about the likelihood of a CFL of the strike, uh, getting a new CBA. It seemed very bleak just a few days ago. A deal, a deal's been done. They, they get a CBA done, and it seems like there's some serious gains for the players. Health and safety, revenue sharing, salary cap. Now, is this stuff that in two years from now it's going to be, uh, there's, there was some wrinkles in there and maybe it wasn't as good, but the, that they got a CBA done and... The players found some measurable gains. That's didn't see that yeah, coming. No, it's not as it, when you when you kind of think of where the first offer was that, which you know may, again may not have been a real one. The ten year the ten year thing that the uh, that uh, that ownership put on the table originally, which was pretty outrageous. But they still got a seven year deal, which is you know you don't see a lot of those in professional sport because a lot can change over that amount of time. Uh, there are some gains in here, though. There's some the possibility of guaranteed money in contracts, which didn't exist before. Uh, the, theoretically, there's there's kind of some theoretical revenue sharing. I don't believe how, I, I think that's going to require a fair bit of scrutiny to see how that works, because um, you know the players were demanding a degree of transparency that I'm not sure if the owners actually will have to see what the final wording looks like. Uh, but yeah, so they're they're still underpaid for what they do. But that's probably and no is a reflection of the state of the CFL's business. Uh, the CFL gets stability. They got predictability for seven years. They didn't give a whole lot of weight that's going to change things dramatically. Uh, and I think the, the, the truth is those players, you know, they're, they're here. They were there. They were, they were ready to report to camp they're, They weren't going to stay out forever and ever and ever. That, that just that wasn't ever going to be in the cards. So they took a stand. They've got a strike vote. They've we're on strike, I guess, for what, 72 hours. And uh, I'm not sure. Like, I, again, I always thought the first offer that or that or the, the, the 10 year offer was kind of a bait and switch thing anyway. 
but you know, if you don't strike and if you're not willing to go out, you, you don't improve it. So I give him credit for taking a stand. Um, I would be reading the fine print, and uh, I, I do. You know, it's still it's still worth kind of looking at what a what a football player makes in that league in a business where careers are really short and where the physical risk is 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 right there. Um, it's it's you know it's, it's like again I know that's the business and the kind of the, the state of the money in money out business in the CFL, but my God, those guys you know they do a lot and they take a lot of risk for not a lot of dough. If you had to predict what what the next change might be, because now they've got a deal, they're gonna get all they're gonna get the preseason games in, and there's going to be a season, and all of that is great news. But then the same questions are probably going to start. It's the the quality of play, the the TV numbers, the attendance. Do people care? You know that whole thing. The the average age of of CFL fans. What what? Not so much. What's the breaking point? But what might be the one significant change? that the league makes I, some will say you know going to four downs it feels extreme is it is it the ratio they're obviously the, the hash mark thing uh will, will be will be an impact this year but what's what's next in terms of big change for the cfl well i guess that with the ratio stuff is locked into the collective agreement so the the, the numbers that there are part of this deal are in theory going to be in place for seven years so i don't think they're going to attack the ratio further um it's what seven canadian well seven non-American starters, one of whom can be a naturalized Canadian, so an American veteran. So really six Canadians on the field uh, of the, you know, of the 24 guys, that's not a lot. Um, but I don't think they're going to drive it down further. Uh, yeah, the hash mark thing has happened. I don't, I, I think what's, I think we're going to be in the same spot, you know, barring the CFL suddenly becoming, you know, hip in the big cities, bigger cities in, uh, in the East, uh, I think we're going to be talking about the same stuff, which is the, the, the struggles in Toronto, in Montreal, in Vancouver, uh, you know, where Ottawa's headed, you know, whether that's up or down. And uh, I think the willingness of ownership, especially in Toronto, to keep going uh, if, if it's just the same old, same old, because that's what, you know, the, the whole XFL thing came out of really was, and, and the four down stuff, which the Toronto people were more enthusiastic about than anyone else. And you know, again, Toronto doesn't run the league. But I think if there's going to be kind of discontent that pushes for change or for opting out, it's going to it's going to start with the Argonauts. So why did they buy this team? I'm confused because is this not exactly what you'd expect if you bought the Argos? What they've had since they took over? I you know that's a it's a great question because you know it was originally bought by Larry Tannenbaum, not by and and uh, partnered and with Bell. Bell. Yeah. So it wasn't Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. It wasn't the three, and then it fell under that umbrella. So Rogers now owns a part of it as well. I, I think when Tannenbaum got in, it was, you know, remember he's, he had, and maybe he still has NFL ambitions. And I think the idea of kind of preserving, keeping the league alive and running a football team that wouldn't cost him a huge amount of money, even if it lost money every year. Uh, you know, I think the optics of it were a big part of it. And obviously for bell, you know why they wanted to keep it going. Um, but I think at this stage, uh, it, it certainly sounds like over the last two years in that boardroom, they've looked across the table at each other and said, why, why did we buy this team? Like that, they, they say they were the ones that wanted to go join the XFL. They were the ones that said, why don't we try four down? So that, you know, that tells you that they're not content, you know, with their investment or with the state of the business. Get on the field. Now, all of this, all the COVID, 
bad publicity, bad press, negative negativity. Get out there and, and play some some fun football because at the end of the day, it can be, and it, it is a very exciting product when 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 things go the right way. I don't know. We, you think back to last year, and there was lopsided games or very little drama. There's some bad. There were some bad football teams last year. I don't know how that just magically turns around, but. Um, the CFL can be a fun game. I still, it's, it's amazing that there isn't more spinoff from the huge popularity of the NFL. And I get it's different games. And a lot of people that love the NFL, they love to look down at the CFL, but it's, it's still football that there isn't more crossover is kind of amazing to me. That's the, that's the part I don't get, to be honest. Like the CFL, the NFL has never been bigger in Canada than it is right now. Obviously no teams, but in terms of television numbers, in terms of Super Bowl ratings, in terms of everything, like the NFL is, and and it's still football. And so, why would you not watch football in this slightly different form, closer to home, the way you go out and watch, you know, an MLS team or a Canadian Premier League team play soccer, but you still watch the Premiership uh, or the Champions League or, or whatever uh, from afar, right? Like, what's the you, you, people can kind of wrap their heads around that, but no, it's it's there's a hostility to it. That I think is, you know, that other, almost as though you had to choose, right? You, you you had to kind of put down, you put your flag down, and say, okay, I'm either with this league or I'm with the other league, but I can't be both. You know, like I've talked about this before. Like I grew up watching both, and you know, quite loyal, loyally following the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but still watching the National Football League games, and it didn't seem like a, any, there was any conflict in that. But it's you know, it has turned into kind of a taking sides thing, and it's, it's ridiculous. And again, and again, I don't understand why people. It's in, it's, it's in your backyard. It's fun to watch. It is a fun game. It's live. Um, why, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you buy a ticket? But in, in, I say in Toronto, it's almost a statement to not buy a ticket at this stage. I, I, certainly Toronto's its own beast in a way. Maybe it's the big cities, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, but I, I almost get the sense that it's like it's, it's Heinz brand ketchup versus no name, that somewhere in the marketing is the real difference, not the actual entertainment value. And the best run marketed most profitable league in the world is the NFL versus this um you know it's the the, the cockroach that won't die uh, i really think a 10th team or going down to eight teams would make a massive difference cuz i can tell you when all the games are week 13 in the NFL i have no idea what days and times there in the CFL yeah and i know that the league has been told that uh, you know a balanced schedule and more predictability would be a a, a good thing like that, that's you know, they've hired many a consultant over the years and that's one of the things that comes up i i don't think the 10th team is happening i i know they're playing an exhibition game out in nova scotia this year but uh i don't think there's any there there so you know eight may be more likely than 10 but that sense but if this you know they need a sense of and I know Randy Ambrosi has done his best to kind of drum it up, but a sense of growth and progress and a plan and a destination. And, you know, he, he did that through the international stuff, and you can roll your eyes about that, and maybe you should. But that, the whole idea was to say, no, it's not static. You know, we're, we're moving in a direction. We're going to become something. We're going to get bigger and better. Uh, and it's, I think if it's static, um, I, I think then, then people are going to just sit there and wait for it to die. I, I think that's so. You know, how do you? How do you? You know, what's the marketing plan to get around that? And I and I'm not sure. So, are you coming back from an exciting location, or was this kind of a? Oh, it's uh, work I, and I, I had to go. And no, no, oh no, no, it was not. No, I, I'm in Montreal. Uh, I was at a, a dinner here last night, uh, raising money for the uh, 
the Atlantic Salmon Federation. As you know, I'm an angler, and uh, and, I, and I'm involved with that organization. But that oh. that makes it sound very staid. It was not. A, it was a a rollicking kind of dinner. So that's another reason I need a map. It it was not a rollicking dinner, or it was. Oh, it was. It, no, it was. Oh, I see. What's the difference between rollicking. rollicking and frolicking? Is that are they similar or totally unrelated? <laughs> they're in the same, yeah, the okay. same, the same family. Yes, exactly. So yeah, it continued on. Montreal's a fun town. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm from the prairies, so for me to to be around anglers slash fishermen and they're not to be booze involved, that's that's the outlier. <laughs> so <laughs> that it better be rollicking. Yeah, so that it was rollicking is a, no surprise to me. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, it was. There was yes, fishermen in suits. Rollicking. That's what it was. Well done. Fisherman in suits. Have a, uh, have a fine weekend. Look forward to uh, your show this afternoon from home base, and we'll talk Tuesday. All right. See you, boys. There he is. Steven Brunt. Uh, still want, I still want to get him out here to, do, to go ice fishing, or meet him somewhere to go Just ice fishing. Just get him out here for anything. It'd be a stampede marshal. Let's go. No, but for him, he likes fishing, and he's... He, we can fly all, fish on the bow. Listen, stop. Of all the fishing that he has done, he's done it around the globe, he's never ice fished. I would like to take him ice fishing. You just want to get hammered with Brunt. That's right. <laughs> I would like to sit in an ice shack with booze and lines in the water and hear him tell stories all day. Yes. And I think it would be important for a guy who loves fishing to experience all kinds. Now, would I be invited if I wore a muzzle? Well, I could barely get through the story without... That's why I'd have a I muzzle. I mean, I just don't know. I want to hear him talk. Muzzle. I get paid to hear you talk, so I don't know. It's a better deal than some people have. It's not bad. <laughs> You're right. At least I am being compensated. <laughs> uh, where are we at? 7.33. We'll break. Come back. Game tonight. Flames. Oilers. Game two. Oh, we'll, baby. We'll dig in. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. No? What do we fucking bother? All right. Hour two of the show brought to you by... We on? Uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, we're on. Okay, yeah. Spruce it up. Garden Center. Sure. Your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots, and decor, and the greenest grass. Spruce it up. Green it up. Prune it up. They got you covered. Game day, Flames and Oilers. I'm going to ask you a question. Huh? What happens games three and four up in Edmonton as in terms of results? Well, geez, I feel like we need to see game two first. No, don't we? I'm, I'm working backwards. It's like well, that I, movie what, when you go backwards. It would. How would you have answered that question after Game One between can you just, Dallas? Can and you just Calgary? please? I have not no get idea. Super I have analytical. no idea what's going to happen in Games Three and Four in Edmonton. It'll be a lot of blue jerseys, not so many red, and it'll be the same two teams. What do you think? I think it's a split. Ah. I think they split games. So in three. terms of results, that's right. Okay. What do you think happens in Edmonton in Games Three and Four as far as results? A split seems feasible. I think the Oilers, their crowd, that building, they're good at home. They're a good team. Split. So then what, what, uh, what do you put on tonight's game in terms of importance then? Because you know it's important for the Oilers. You could argue, as a team with home ice, up one nothing. you win tonight. 
You're at just shy of 90% in terms of uh, historical data for teams in a, in a playoff series. Well, what do you think is going to happen in Game 5 if they come home up 3-1? Well, then you win, yeah. Oh, okay. It's not going to go back up to Edmonton for Game 6? I'm just saying I, they're going to split. Best case scenario in, in my mind. I think the Oilers are good for at least one up there. The question is, are they good for one down here? That's right. And that's tonight. I mean, there's we, we never know how these series go. Uh, like It looked like Carolina was going to roll Boston. They needed all seven and have not yet won on the road. So it's just, I see what you're doing. It would make sense. The split feels like a reasonable outcome, but... I mean, we're, we're, we, don't, less, we don't know the plot twist yet. We don't know who's going to get hurt or who's going to come back okay, or who's st- dog stop, shirt. Hang on. It's less about that and more about dig in tonight in a game two. Totally. Because they have, again, it has nothing to do with this game tonight, but you go to last round, game one win, lost in game two. Was it was it two nothing? What was the score in that game? You're talking about the Flames? Yeah. Two nothing, the shutout with the empty nutter. Uh, you go back to 2020, Dallas, first round, Flames lead the series 1-0, lose game two. 2019, Colorado, up 1-0, lose game two. 2017, Anaheim, down 1-0, down 2-0. 15, round two against the Ducks, lost game two. 2015 against Vancouver, they were up, they lost game two there. The... It has the potential. When you think of just the whole big picture, for, for me to say it's a huge game, just don't sleep on the fact that the the Flames had fun and it was great in game one. Tonight's game is a it, it's a big to me pivot point. You go two nothing, and I feel it's not insurmountable, but that's a real daunting task for the Oilers. Well, you're forcing them to win four to five, right? That's that's not going to be easy against the team that plays as hard as the Flames. As the Flames. It gets. Theoretically, as good goaltending as they've gotten, that uh, you know defends and is as structured and physical as they are. And a two nothing series lead puts you in a position to potentially end a series in a in a short amount of time. Yep. Fewer injuries, and it's the one thing we heard all about with with 04, because that's just the most. The, what happened? They just played too many games. They were up two nothing on San Jose on the road, came home, lost three and four. The ability to win tonight. Goaltender in the other net, he's he's doubting himself right now. Your goalie comes out, play. You go up two to nothing, and I feel like it's massive, massive. Where ordinarily a game two, well, you know, you got lots of lots of room left. Don't yeah, worry about the, it. The difference is Edmonton's stolen home ice, and you're all square, or you've got them in a spot where they have to win four or five. It is a huge swing, and unfortunately, the Flames in game twos since 1989 have been really, really bad. Now, that may or may not have anything to do with this group and this series, but it is of note. In the Bradshaw living area, the Flames have lost every game, too, they've ever played in. That's right. (laughs) (sighs) So, yeah, that's the the one win against San Jose. And that one hurts when you talk to Warner and those guys. You got through Vancouver. And we talked to Commodore yesterday. It's like, well, oh, geez, Detroit. Well, this one could be over in three. You found a way, and then it's in your head. If we can beat these guys, well, we we can maybe take out anybody. Then you go up two nothing in that series, and Come then kind of then you get away. Curious what we get on obviously both sides, because the Flames 
much like last round, when you think you think you know what you're getting, maybe the foot comes off the gas and it may have nothing to do with their effort or their attention to detail. Uh, but I think it's fair to say the defensive style of play that Ottinger and the Stars' defense put together, I don't see the Oilers being capable of doing that. No. Now, the one thing Dallas was incapable of doing was erasing multi-goal deficits with ease, and that's what Edmonton can do. It's an entirely different series for both these clubs with this opponent. The Flames are not L.A. at all, and certainly the Oilers aren't Dallas. So which two which teams show up tonight? I think if you're the Flames, I, I liked a lot of what they did in game one, but they, they got up by such an amount that they seemed not really interested in sticking to the game plan. You'd never say it's too early for a 3 nothing lead, but it was real early, and human mm-hmm. nature is what it is. How, how, how do you keep your pe- the pedal down when you're up by four twice? It was such a bananas night. We can't have another one, can we? I think we could in the series. <laughs> I don't know that we see it tonight. I mean, it's just the way that the Oilers play. They're not great defensively. Their goaltending can abandon them, and they do have elite finishing that can, you know, supernova a period. And we saw it the other night. You don't need to, the gaffes or the miscues defensively for, say, for the Flames, they don't have to be glaring. It could just be a little too much gap. It might not even be a mistake. It might just be the best player in the world doing things. Yeah, you just get exploited. You get McJade. McJade. That's who he is. Got it. Skates on water. Uh... Zach Hyman was asked, how difficult is it to uh, to shake off a lopsided loss, game like maybe you felt like you didn't play well, but you could have won easier? Uh... It's probably easier, actually, just because we didn't play well at all. It wasn't one of those games where it's a tight one and you, you lose it in overtime and you're, you know, you're thinking, man, like we should have won that game. This was just when you, you wash away and you know, you're, you're down one nothing and get back to work. Yeah, have you told uh, the Oilers that they were tied early in the third? That really isn't the game story. <laughs> no, everyone in the building knew that wasn't the last goal going in when it got to 6-6 after Yamamoto's, what, first 90 seconds of period three? Yeah. Ordinarily, it would be. But Bucker Town. Like, no, it wasn't Bucker. There's probably three, four goals yet. There's too much elephant dung around the facility. It was a complete circus. More from Hyman. Bunch of things, to be honest. Uh, defensive awareness, being physical being hard to play against we gave up way too many grade a chances early on i mean before we could blink we we're down to nothing right so that can't happen physicality when you've been one-sided when you're when your physicality when your your manhood your level of compete is called into question it's just so odd for that organization because they've talked so much about it and i think they've overvalued it so much over the history of their decisions and yet it's not close, I don't think. Like, if you go toughest against toughest, second, second, third, third, and go down the line, I don't see Edmonton with edges anywhere. If this turns into a scrap in the alley, the Flames will be grinning ear to ear. I said it yesterday, and you look at the Euler lineup, you've got Kane, you've got Cassian, which is, it's team toughness, and it's not about fighting. It's about getting into the corners and putting up with the battle and the stick work and being engaged. And I think you're going to see that from the Oilers. They will be more engaged. But in terms of, if, well, if it's fighting, well, so what's Cassian? And Cassian didn't do a whole lot the other night. That's a big ask for one guy. And as tough and as willing as Cassian is, 
he's not a heavyweight. He's he's not, he's overmatched against Lucic in my opinion. So what do you? He he's it's a lot to throw on his plate. Get out there and defend McDavid and defend our honor, and the rest of us will just will kind of try and throw the body a little bit. I wonder if they get a little caught up in it. We've seen the Flames get caught up. We talked about it earlier. Game two against Dallas, they were caught up in it. Kachuk was offside 10 seconds into the game trying to scrap Klimberg. We're going to show you a thing or two about being tough and physical and all of that. Then you get away from it. What What will the refereeing be like? Because you know the Oilers, well, the Flames are going to obviously go after McDavid again within the boundaries of the rules. And I would think that probably part of the Oilers game script will be to try and get more on Goudreau, be physical on him. Don't worry about Kachuk. Don't worry about Lucic. Go after the star player. And and then the goaltender. Does, Smike, does Smith have the, the ability to have a, a career-esque game? Come in, stand in your head, 35 saves. You just shut one up the goal Kings against. in game seven, right? And in game, like, in game series, uh, series number one, was heavily criticized for a mistake in game one, pitched a shutout in game two. You got to be able to shake it off. Interestingly, uh, so Dom at The Athletic wrote an article about how heaviness of a team or perceived playoff toughness affects results. And there is some effect. Now, it's not super clear cut, but teams filled with really, really light, small players have not been able to replicate regular season success while heavier clubs may be a little bit more successful. When he goes through his probabilities, there's the regular season filter and spits out, okay, here's what the model says if we do 50,000 simulations. When he adds for, quote, this heaviness effect, it's a big advantage to the Flames. They're one of the best in terms of that measure. Now, Johnny Gaudreau doesn't check that box but you're damn straight that third pair does, that that fourth line does, right? When you look at hits and how the size of the humans, uh, the physicality edge is absolutely to the Calgary Flames. They're both heavy and physical, whereas the Oilers are sort of right in the middle in terms of physicality and size. It's not, they're, they're neither small nor big nor meek nor courageous. They're right in the middle of the pack. If that is a factor in this series, it's another edge to Calgary, just like you'd give them one in net, just like you'd give them one on the decor, just like you'd give them one in forward depth, just like you probably should give them one in coaching. The real only advantage the Oilers have is having the best player in the world, and that's a huge advantage that may be enough to you know, overshadow all those other slight edges to Calgary. Because you look at Tampa Bay, there's there's no scrappers there. That's well, not maroon a, that's, fights. That's not a team that uh, wins cups based on intimidation. They're in the battle. They're physical. They're but they don't have. You don't fear them physically when you come into a series against them. It's their skill. It's their high end talent. Their goal. It's both. And I think that was kind of the equation they were trying to figure out when they had the best regular season we've seen in our lives, probably, and then got swept in round one by Columbus. They 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 not only have Kucherov, Point, Stamkos. But they do have Maroon and Corey Perry and Chernak. Like, there's a lot of big physical players there, and that's the easier way to uh, to go about it. If you're putting a team together, just in case you get yeah, once I yeah, not if one when you're put in a position to put a team together. If you can have and collect the all world talent first, and then 
insulate with the, the rugged guys, that'd be the way to go. Mm-hmm. So I think you can find... And, and you know what? If you really want to have a great team, Those if guys. your skill guys can also be really big and heavy, that's that's no fun at all. And that's when like Perry and Getzlaff in their prime, like power forwards, that's why we call them unicorns. Watching that game last night with Kucherov, he's not a big guy. But watching him spin away from checks, it, it, it's weird watching him because you never feel like he's working that hard. He's not busting his ass up and down the ice. He's just, he's in stride. He's got the puck. His ability to get away from checks, to find guys. There was the there was one last night he made Ekblad look like like he was in, in game one. He beer walked league. him. Yeah. And yeah, that was after absolutely embarrassing him in game one. And in game one, he, he embarrasses Ekblad after drawing on a power play, after drawing that power play by walking a different Panther the shift before. He, he, you know what he reminds me of? If you've ever been on a beer league team and like some guy's back from university of somewhere in the off season and wants to get a skate in and doesn't seem to be trying hard and finishes with like eight points and just sees everything happening before everyone else and is clearly more skilled, but may not, might not have broken a sweat. That's what he's looking like it, right now. Yes. It doesn't look like he has to go max effort ever. The play, the play on the game winner last night. Now, again, Mackenzie Wigger definitely don't do that. Definitely don't chase the guy down below. But it's a no-look backhand pass right on the tape, which Colton puts into the – almost more impressive than the shot is the, is the setup. And now Kucherov through – what did they play last round? Seven games through – how many highlight reel plays have you seen from him? Scores a big goal in game seven, right? Uh, when he had a fever of 100 to 2, apparently. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there you go. Boomer and Pinder. Like Kucherov. Kucherov is a good player. Good player. Well, they're missing point, right? They need him. It isn't just like, hey, look. They, they lost a lot of skilled players there. No, they're, they're Tampa. They reloaded. They gave up two prospects and two firsts to get Brandon Hagel. They, they, they're paying high prices to keep themselves in this contention window. They want to be the first dynasty ever in the cap era. You, you but look, points a huge yeah. absence skill-wise. You look at it now, they're up two games to none in round two. It becomes a little easier. But you look at it and think, eh, do we need to give up more first-round picks? We've, we just won two cups. Like, that's good, right? We, we should start to maybe keep the cover, keep stock the cupboard with some picks. Maybe No, no, because three is better than two, and we want three. There's some admiration there. I mean, kind of like it's, it's completely uncharted territory. It's great. It's great when it when it works, I guess. And it's not because you look at Columbus and we were giving them credit. Look, you make the playoffs. You got these guys. Yeah, give up some picks and try and get in. This is a little different, but you're running back a group that's won before, but you do have some holes to fill, and they're willing to pay the price. And why not? Uh, Rams Super Bowl winners. Their GM Les Snead wears a T-shirt to the Super Bowl parade that says, "What? Bleep them picks." i.e. draft picks weren't on the field. We won the Super Bowl. I was happy to trade those all away to get players to win the Super Bowl. And what, what's Tampa? What's a first round for Tampa doing anyway? Where are they picking? 28 to 32, 25 to 32. What's the timeline for that player to be impactful on the Tampa Bay Lightning? Three, four, five years? Look at this group in three, four, five years. That's not their contention to win. That's not their window. Their window's right now. And you look at the other side. We, we'll take a break here. Two games last night. The one other game. We'll get into the full slate. Another President's Trophy 
team. It's the curse. The, I feel like it's on, they're on the ropes here already. Even oh, though it's, you go down three zero to two time champion. They this is they're in must win territory. Um, hour three coming up. Mason Trafford going to join us. Calvary FC. A couple big games coming up at home. That's right, including an MLS side in the Whitecaps next week. And they've been real good uh, at Echo Field this year after a rough start on the road. Also, uh, it is a major week. Maybe the most impressive feat, the 21 darts and 12 Diet Cokes, but there are three Canadians playing at Southern Hills as well. Is anyone else challenging daily no, in that department? Completely. It's like, well, I had 19 darts. He's like, he's like the unicorn of golf, not like the power forward in the NHL. Like, right. oh boy, how can Matthew Kachuk be a pest and then do this and that? And then also 40 goals, 100 points. John Daly is operating as if he's on a guy's trip with topless caddies, except he's playing in his late, what, 60s? Because if a you PGA missed it major. earlier, Pinder threw out the, uh, the math. And that was yesterday's round, not... That's an opener. That's a Thursday. He's just getting ready. He's not he's, even weekend form yet. He's not even 60 yet. Is he, well, the body's got a little more miles than uh, that, but yes. Uh, yeah. 56. And on the course yesterday... 21 cigarettes, 12 cans of Diet Coke, and I think it might six, be bottles. Well, whatever. Six bags of M&M's. Peanut. Not milk chocolates? Peanut M&M's. Okay, peanut M&M's. Waters? So is it zero. Yeah, zero waters. Is anybody else even smoking? I don't think so. Because they probably t- they wouldn't show that on the TV broadcast. They'd kind of keep that away from so our... First off, he's like a one-of-a-kind dude that not, not many hard livers get... And it probably is a hard liver. Someone that's lived hard, has rock hard, arrive here on this stage in this sport, and then Tiger came and they actually became like really good athletes, not just golfers with guts. Eating their protein bars and bottles of water on the course. Hundred percent. Oh, it's the third hole. This is where I have a banana and, and two sips of my smoothie. Twenty-one cigarettes, eighteen holes. <laughs> and I feel like because he was one of the first off the tee, pace of play should not have held him back. That's that's still again. I can do that math. More than a dart per hole. You're right. He was first off. I think so. You're not waiting. It's not like you're sitting. Oh, I guess I'll have a dart while I'm waiting for these guys. Nope. You're setting the pace and crushing darts. Where are the twelve cans of Diet Coke? Where is the John Daly miniseries and movie? That's what I want. Is is the caddy hauling those around in the bag? Oh, they got the... those tour bags. They got everything. In there. <laughs> I bet she's got a bottle of whiskey in there. And he gets the cart, which is not allowed in the PGA, but this isn't the PGA. It's PGA Championship. It is pretty good. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling very well. I need to uh, take the cart. And if you could just throw the uh, the 24 pack of DCs in the back, that'd be <laughs> great. You can't. Help, you got to tip your hat. You can't help but tip your hat. Well, come up. Uh, code word for tickets. And details on the red lot and how you can see game three. Coming up, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.